0: Previously, on the Simply Human Podcast... Was... I've got a story about a rock. That, uh, I thought the rock had moved, but it turns out it hadn't really moved.
1: It's episode 45 of the Simply Human Podcast with your hosts, Mark and Rick. Two human beings being human. Our goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy, and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, it's podcaster, blogger, and Lifestyle Coach Kevin Geary of RebootedBody.com Then it's another moderately funny edition of the Humans Being Human segment And it's a Humans Being Human open with Amanda And a story, uh, a little office humor about a, uh, a crack whore mishap <laughs> And we'll wrap up <laughs> That's <so funny>. a <laughs> <laughs> Great tease <laughs> And we'll wrap up with our Simply Human tip of the week How are you Rick?
2: I'm great, how are you?
1: I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, so the crack whore thing is pretty funny. Uh, it's not about a crack whore. Yeah, it's not it- like
2: people are walking around in an office doing, you know, the... Business and hey, I'll have my people call your people and like a legitimate crack whore like walks in. It's not like that. It's, yeah, it's a very very funny story yeah. from uh, one of our loyal listeners, Amanda. Uh, you have to stick around to hear that for sure.
1: Coming up on some future shows, I just got an email from the great John Wellborn uh, of uh, you know CrossFit football. He d- he does a lot of great stuff. He was in the NFL for a long time, heavy hitter so to speak, is going to be on the show. I interviewed Will Fleming. We did a thirty minute. Uh, Interview just about the squat, uh, and then John Fergoso's coming up, uh, and, and so we've got a lot of cool stuff coming up. So, so stay tuned for that, Rick. I yes. I, I, don't, I don't know how to say this. I don't want to say uh, this. The word soulmate is usually like you know exclusively for like of a, a, a romantic thing, but yeah, I think you can have like a soulmate. It's not like a, you know, obviously, it's like a a friend who's just like you're you're like kindred spirits kind of yes, deal. Yes,
2: we we we. Are- We'll use that term like at work jokingly. Like, I've got a guy at work, uh, uh, and he and I see very much eye to eye. We hang out all the time. Uh, we do all our work together. So people, like, you know, jokingly, oh, you guys are soulmates. Right. Like, uh, yeah, I I know what that means.
1: Okay. So in the non romantic, you know, term, and I have found, I I think, and I'll tell you the story and you have to tell me, I think I found my soulmate. Well, then. I can't, I can't disclose names. Uh, but he has, the, His father has been on this show. He is a he is an almost two year old little boy, and the
2: the soulmate is an almost two year old boy. Yes,
1: let me let me explain. So Um. we're over. Listen, we're over at the his house. You know, he and his his dad and I are, are longtime friends. We go over there. The kids are playing. It's it's towards the end of the night. My girls actually were inside, like getting ready to leave, like picking up and stuff. Well, this little boy. You know, is ready. They they were in like a little pool, a little splash pool. So he takes all his clothes off, as little boys will sometimes do, and he's just running around. Boys and grown men. Yes, right. So he's just running around naked. We're laughing. You know, we're just up there talking. You know, shooting the bull, as they say. And uh, so, so little boy is. uh, We'll call him. uh, We'll call him Adam. His name is not Adam, but we'll just uh, so I can stop saying little boy, and I don't want to disclose his real name because that is really creepy when you beca-
0: over and over say little boy. Yeah, I know.
1: Cuz <laughs> so I didn't I didn't have anyone sign a waiver. So little Adam <laughs> so little Adam is is walking around and being funny. And so the mom is is going to, you know, she wanted to like have him do his trick for us. So she says, "Hey, little Adam, show Mr. Mark how you can potty outside." And so, you know, like <laughs> cuz he cuz he goes out there much like his father does and just, you know, takes a leak off the back of the porch. As, you know, which is I do that all the time. Uh yeah, so do I. Yeah, and so in we fact, sometimes we, I'll we, go out
2: of my way to go to the bathroom <laughs> to pee in the backyard when like a toilet would be much
1: closer. More and yeah, and
2: closer. I'm like, no, nah, I don't even have to. Eat, yeah,
1: man. you just go. And so little Adam <laughs> stands there and kind of looks up at mom. He's just about to turn two, so he's kind of, you know right there in that you, you know communication is kind of hard. You don't really know what they're retaining and what they're not retaining. So he's just standing up. Totally naked. And starts to, you know, look like he's restraining to to (laughs) urinate. He gets
2: that look on his face.
1: And lo and behold, if he doesn't take a dump (laughs) on the back porch, like right in front of all of us. (laughs) It's just like, you know, because I mean, he was like, you want me to go? Potty, okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> like he didn't like squat down or anything. We were just standing there and all of a sudden there's just like a turd like, in between his feet. At the risk
2: of embarrassing him, I don't care because I know he doesn't listen. Yeah. But uh my brother <laughs> were you there? Okay, we've told this story before that like during the summer times we had a swing pool at our house, and during the summertime me and you and my brother and our uh Our mutual friend Jackson, who also doesn't listen, so I'll use his name because I don't care. He'll never find out. We would spend all day long swimming, like literally, like (laughs) almost nine o'clock in the morning till five o'clock in the afternoon, outside swimming in our pool, just goofing off, and then uh, the, the, you know. Uh, you and my brother would, you know, this was a very hilarious joke between the two of you. But you would just pee directly into the pool,
1: or <laughs> well, we would just we would pee we would like, pee on ourselves like before we even got in. Yes, just all, and would then stand jump on in the diving
2: board and pee on yourself. And it was, you guys thought it was a very hilarious joke, <laughs> but
1: then when you're you, you, no, there no, remember was that like, was a we. we did that Rick we well, all uh, did that.
2: Don't wee that like when my brother stood out in the yard and he's like, "Well, gonna go to the bathroom before I jump <laughs> I in the pool and rip this swimsuit off and just." Took a dump uh, in the yard like a dog. Were you there for
0: that? I was, okay. and I
1: can remember his little skinny little like quivering body as he was like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mindore, would you
2: also like to know a secret? Uh, yes. Okay, people listening know that like we've said this before. We don't. We try not to talk about like uh, what we're going to talk about in this in this segment before we do it. We just like the reactions to be organic. So I didn't know this story. Uh, when you said, "I found my soulmate." It's a two-year-old little boy. I was like, okay, I know – I made a prediction in my mind. I was like, this is going to have something to do with this little boy like taking a dump like in an inopportune <laughs> location or an inappropriate time and place. Perfect. Lo and behold, I'm exactly right.
1: Well, and that, that reminds me – the the Rob pooping in the yard story it reminds me of – I don't know how I haven't told this story yet. By the way,
2: people think we're really – Weird, by the I way. Know. I'm like, hey, remember that time my brother <laughs> crapped in the yard? <laughs> oh, well, yeah,
1: he was listen. like
2: 17 or 18. No, he was older than that. He was like a college freshman. At
1: well, when I point. was in probably 6th grade, 6th or 7th grade, so I'm 11, 12 years old, I would – my dad owned a bakery, and at, at noon, he would be off – from work, obviously, the bakery would close at noon, and he would come home in the summers, and we would mow yards in the summers to make ends meet, you know, because the bakery wasn't doing so hot right at the beginning. So he would come home. I would have everything ready. We would load up his truck, and we'd go mow like four or five yards every day. Well, one of these yards, the the woman wasn't at home. I'll never forget her name either. And like, and I'm not gonna say it. Obviously, she had a pool, and her backyard wasn't like. You know there was a lot of shade, and so there was a lot of like dirt areas. You know where, where there wasn't grass growing. Yeah, and we get to, and she wasn't home, obviously. I said that, and so I like I run out to dad. I'm like I'm I'm mowing in the backyard. He's out weed eating or something in the front. And I I go to him. I was like, Dad, I got I got to the bathroom. I got to go now. Like it, I can't hold it. And he was like, Well, ugh. I mean, like we, oh we we're trying we're trying to think of all these like, <laughs> scenarios, and. And so he's like, just just go in the backyard, in one of those dirt areas, and we'll just like bury, we'll cover it up. <laughs> so so at this point, he's the, okay. Now I'm going to tell the story from Dad's perspective. He goes by, by, in like the alley, and he's and he's weed eating the alley little strip of grass in the alley, and he said he just we remember smelling like 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 satan's crap like and so he like st- I mean, it was so bad that he like turned the he's thinking like it's gonna be a little bit of a you know and then' we'll, like a dog poop and then we'll just like like throw some dirt on it well i i had gone so he
2: knows that you're gonna he knows when you say dad i gotta go to the bathroom i can't hold it he knows that you mean you know, take a dump yeah okay i think because <laughs> i could see the miscommunication yeah, like, Dad, yeah i gotta
1: go to the bathroom yeah just go in the back People like,
2: hey just go in the backyard
1: so what ended up happening was it it, it ended up being more of like a cow patty <laughs> consistency and i just i found like this big like like garden stone like a decorative stone <laughs> and just like s- set it on top <laughs> Of this like pile and like so it was just like all like splattered everywhere and like so and then I like jump in the pool you know to like clean off and <laughs> dad dad was like this is not how I thought this was gonna go <laughs> you have, like filed this this lady's backyard so You're we the worst person yeah. I know buddy. oh that I cannot believe I have never told that story but there is one I cannot
2: believe that either
1: there is one story that I'm gonna I'm gonna wait and and use I think we've got a couple of like. Uh, open spots for the humans being human segment and I have a, a the pep rally story that I've never told that I, I need to tell
2: by the way I love hearing like Mark's stories from the vault because uh, I've known you for a very long time I feel like I've heard every good story that you have but every once in a while you're like hey there's a story I haven't told you and I'm like whoa if yeah. you haven't told me then like
1: this well, must be like yeah, we're reaching back here. The, the pep rally story is one of is one of the all time classics. And Jen is walking behind me, and she's like rolling her eyes, like. I don't and think that she is, wants me to tell that if, one. If it's,
2: if, if that's another sec, a second requirement for like uh, if it's going to be a good story. If you tell me your wife's reaction, is her rolling her eyes. I'm like, okay, I know it's going to be good <laughs> because I know your wife. I'm like, yes, yeah, she will not get bogged down in your ridiculous shenanigans.
1: Yeah, oh, it's it's so it's such a good one. Um, so maybe we'll do that one next time since I've like teased it. But all right, well, let's get to the Kevin Geary interview. You can go to the website, simplyhumanlifestyle.com. Uh, there are links and coupon codes for the nutrients, multivitamin, the skinny fat oils, all great stuff and I would highly recommend them uh, we are actually ordering Tim Wacker and his family have inspired me, I've ordered some uh, Simply Human Kids t-shirts and I'm ordering some, some more Simply Human shirts in different colors and because the, the other ones are nearly out so we're going to have some more options on shirts. Um, the Simply Human Reset is just about ready to launch uh, if, if you or someone you know you need like a 21 day Basically, have we
2: discussed
1: this yet on the show? Um, we the, the yeah, content? kind of. Uh, but it's it's basically I, I've already I, I've started like working with people on them, and, and it's it, there, there are a couple little things that I don't have yet uh, uh, that I'm working with Laura Cross from ourfullplate.com on some recipes and things like that. But as far as like the whole concept, if you want to know more about that, and it's basically a three-week sort of path to the path. It's not like do this and you'll be healthy. Uh, it's just kind of a way to sort of reset your palate and your mental uh, sort of ha- how you think about foods, the psychology of everything, and basically starting from scratch on movement, on on diet, on sleep, on. Yeah, it's, like it's like starting blocks. Yeah, yeah. And so, if you're interested in that, um, sort of as a as a very very early client in that regard, uh, email me at uh, simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail You can email Rick. It's simplyhuman. Rick at gmail.com We're still taking Humans being human Open stories If you want to do that uh, so just like uh, the one later on in the show, Amanda just emailed us, and we figured out a time and, and recorded with her. So uh, if you have a funny story that you think would, would fit into the poop-your-pants tone of the Simple Human podcast, yes. by all means. we're yeah. <laughs> stories about people grabbing pants. All right, well, let's get to the the uh, interview with Kevin Geary where we talked to Kevin about ancestral health. Willpower, compulsive shoppers, symbolic substitution, modeling health for your kids, foods inside the rewards punishment paradigm, creating systemic change in our culture, and spending time with your kids. Here's Kevin. Joining us today on the Simply Human podcast, I was on his show uh, a few weeks ago, and you know we linked to it on all our stuff and sent it out on on Facebook and Twitter and all that good stuff. It is Kevin Geary of the rebootedbody.com dot uh, com or just RebootedBody dot com. And uh, Kevin, thanks for being on the show.
3: Thank you so much for having me. Great to be here.
1: All right, so, and Rick is on the call too, and and just, you know, kind of give us some some idea of sort of, you know, I told my story on your show, so I would like for you to reciprocate and sort of tell your story and, you know, why it is you're doing what you're doing and how you got to where you are.
3: Yeah, so back in 2009, I was uh, sitting in a doctor's office getting a physical and got the results back from the physical where they basically said uh, you have high blood pressure, You're a borderline diabetic. I was 220-something pounds at the time. I'm 5'8", so, you know, significantly overweight. And I had gotten that way through a series of yo-yo diets. Um, you know, it's not like I was just not caring about my health. Um, I, i had been attempting, actually, to get to a healthy weight and to try to create a healthier lifestyle. Uh, I had just recently gotten married, we were planning on having kids, so I definitely just wanted to—to get things in order, but nothing was working. Everything—every time I lost, uh, a good chunk of weight, you know, 10 or 15 pounds, I would end up, uh, back in that yo-yo cycle where I would then gain, uh, 15 or 20, and it was just getting worse and worse and worse, and, of of course, the, uh, health outcomes were going downhill as well. And I kind of set out at that point. On a mission to discover somebody who is saying something different from what I was already trying, I decided that you know the mainstream advice wasn't for me, so I just needed to hear somebody with different ideas. And I started researching online, and I ended up coming across the ancestral health movement. I started applying those principles to my life and had a lot of great success. I got down to about 180 pounds, and then top weight again, 220. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, when I got down to 180, a lot of the psychological roadblocks and hurdles that I talk about now and that I specialize in helping people overcome started to really, you know, block me from finishing off the rest of, of my journey to success. And I ended up relapsing, going back to 190 or 195, and then, uh, you know, kind of buckled down again and really started focusing on the mindset of you know, how to consistently put these principles into practice. And through my own journey and now working with you know, hundreds of other people, I've kind of identified that as a common theme that if you have 10 people and you give them all the right information, you know, two of them will probably take all that information and make a great change that's permanent, that's long term. And the other eight will have success in the short term and then everything will come crumbling down and they'll eventually return to their old ways. So now my specialty is like helping people figure out why that happens and how to get from point A to point B permanently and get over those psychological roadblocks and and hurdles. That's where the rebooted body started and we have an online program and so on and so forth. So that's that's basically what I'm up to.
1: Cool, and I know that we we share the frustration of, you know, like, seeing people that think they want to change but they really don't want to change and and I just actually wrote an article on the website uh about like willpower and discipline and why it's so hard to like stick to things that you say you're going to do and so like what are some of the things that you know one of like I always say like there is no magic pill like there is one thing that you can do and that's decide you want to do it so like how like kind of delving into more of that psychology what what are your thoughts on sort of the whole psychology of change and, and sustainability and, and not just doing the whole yo-yo thing.
3: Yeah, so let's use willpower as an example. I think that's a, a good one because a lot of programs and coaches insist that willpower is really important and when people start to fail, it's kind of convenient for the coach or the program actually because the truth is, is that willpower will work for people for anywhere from like 21 to 30 days. And that, I think that's kind of where the saying, like you can do anything for 30 days comes from. You can just will yourself through anything for a good solid 30 days. And then that starts to unravel. Willpower is not a good long-term strategy. And at that point, I think it's convenient for coaches or programs because they get to point the finger at their clients and say, well, you know, it's your fault. You just need to try harder. You just need to eat less. You just need to work out more. And they start you know, harping on all the conventional strategies and, you know, why, why can't you do this? I can do it and so on and so forth. So that just obviously makes the cycle worse because we're adding a bunch of shame and guilt. And now the client's like, oh, why am I broken? You're right. Why can't I do this? And the truth is, is like willpower is a broken strategy for long-term. You have to, what I say is change your relationship with food. And when that happens, that's an actual long-term strategy that creates a perspective shift um I'm not sh- I'm sure you personally have had this perspective shift where now this lifestyle is easy for you it's very normal in fact it's abnormal to engage in things that the mainstream engages in that's the perspective shift that really creates long-term success and you you can't will yourself into that
1: right and like the- Kevin
2: how do you how do you oh, encourage that perspective shift like it's you know you said you and I, I agree wholeheartedly with you and it's weird like you describe your journey and it's almost literally exactly the same as mine from the different you know specific weights to you know the timeframes and all this it's really really eerie we're very very similar how do you encourage people to 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 change what they think about food? It's it's hard
3: because it's different for everybody. So uh, one one way is that I've identified eight common eating triggers that cause people to regress or that just cause them to feel out of control with food. Uh, I wrote an action guide on that. Then of course there's things like gut health that can be a problem. There's things like sleep patterns that can be a problem. So what I do and the reason I have a program is because it's not, there isn't a one size fits all answer. I have to look at people's personal situation and help them sort it out and kind of help them untangle the mess. Uh, it would be really nice if people could just read the information, apply it to their life, and get success. But like I said, that's probably two out of ten people that can do that. The other eight really need uh, more personalized approaches and and answers.
1: Yeah, the interesting thing to me, like about the whole willpower and the psychology of it, is that when you when you put a human or you take a human in his or her natural habitat, there there is no, they don't need willpower. You don't need willpower to to resist the Oreos or the ice cream because they're not there. Like you don't you don't have to get up and think about, oh, I've gotta to go to the gym and like will myself to ride the elliptical for an hour because your natural environment sort of advocates and, and supports you just moving throughout the day. And and so this idea of exercise is a foreign sort of forced, unnatural concept whereas just movement throughout the day is sort of how we were designed to move and so if you if you kind of get back to more of a you know human uh, existence then you know willpower becomes less of a thing like like uh you know you mentioned earlier that you know i've probably gone through that uh that transition and it's like you know when and i think i've said this before on the podcast when the chips come or like when the bread bowl comes at the restaurant i don't even I don't even I don't have a response to that as food. I, I it's like they might as well have put a, a, a T shirt on the table. I I don't even think Oh, like my my I've deconditioned myself or my salivary glands don't start uh working and, and I'm thinking, Oh, it's gonna be really hard for me to not eat these chips. I, I just I just don't I don't even respond to them. It's not. A, it's not an issue of willpower. And I think if you can get to that point, that's where the sustainability comes in. Because if you're just constantly fighting against yourself and trying to starve yourself, and and like you don't feel like exercising because you don't have any energy because you're starving yourself and like forcing yourself to exercise, that that's there's no way you can withstand that. You know, for for longer than just like you said, like thirty days.
2: Kevin, is that something that you find like Mark has had? You know. I say Mark's had success. Mark is, uh, you know, top 1% of this. But Mark doesn't think of like uh, Oreos and donuts as food. But the rest of us, we go to offices and they have like a thing. of. And you have to exercise willpower to some extent. Do you think that's something that, that, that would help that, that you advocate just basically convincing yourself that this garbage, these Oreos and all this crap, like convincing yourself that it's not food? Is that something that like, uh, you know, you, don't- you advocate, I guess?
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's consciously trying to convince yourself that the stuff isn't food. I think one of the big uh, shifts in people's perspective is – if I, if we can get them on the right track for a solid 30 days and most of the time with the other strategies I employ, they're going a a good solid 60 days. Now, what inevitably happens with clients is they start to feel like they've made a ton of great progress and they want to kind of reward themselves. Right. And they want to let themselves off the hook a little bit. Yes. And they, so they, yeah, an office party comes right. And they indulge in something. And then I, I get this inevitable email where they're like, okay, last night I did X, Y, and Z, and I am like destroyed this morning. I feel like crap. And, and this is like, that is part of the process, actually. There's nothing to be upset about there. That's actually how you learn what this stuff actually does to your body. And that starts to create the perspective shift. When you see like, okay, that food really, really tore me up obviously it's not good for me and when you start to see your biomarkers change because I'm a big fan of having people get their blood tested to actually verify that their health that their health is improving and when they see that stuff start to shift and they feel the difference they start to really buy in at that point and that is the start of changing your relationship now I'll give you another example this is the one I use all the time Because we just talked about uh, the, the office party where one person can walk in and they feel compelled to join in and eat whatever is available and have a party and have fun and all that. And then we could have another person who walks in and they're completely unfazed by all of the crap. And they can just enjoy themselves in the office and talk to people and just drink water or have a drink or whatever and not be concerned with all the sugar and processed foods and all that. So let's, let's just say there's two different people. We have person A, we have person B, and we're going to use an example of shopping. This is an example that I use all the time. So person A walks into the mall, they feel compelled to buy everything. They're maxing out their credit cards. They have to take a bunch of bags back to their car, or they, they feel like something is off. And it's just a compulsion. Now, person B walks into the mall and they are able to walk around and look at everything. They can pick up cool stuff and put it back and they don't feel compelled to buy everything. Now, the difference between the two people is not that one person has this awesome willpower that the other person doesn't have. The difference is that one person has a disordered relationship with shopping and the other person doesn't. So one of the ways I sort this out is I help people identify the concept of what is called symbolic substitution. And this is about figuring out what shopping represents in your life or what gambling represents in your life or what food represents in your life. So there's a lot of... Things that people choose as symbolic substitutes to fill voids, to fill things that are missing in their life. Food is a very common one. Uh, plus, it's a it's a comfort thing. It's a very good coping mechanism. So that's that's part of what I help people sort out. But that analogy goes to show you that it, it willpower is not involved, and that's why somebody like Mark can be very successful and have this completely different perspective where they can go to an office party or out with friends and they're just not compelled to eat all the sugar and the processed foods and and that sort of thing.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. And you know, like willpower, Yeah, studies have shown that willpower is kind of like a muscle. And the more you use it, like the stronger it becomes, you sort of, if you think of it like that, and if you don't ever use it, which a lot of us you know, in in this society, a lot of people don't have to use willpower because you don't need to have willpower to save your money because there's credit cards. You don't need to have willpower, you know, to uh, to exercise because you can wrap yourself in Saran wrap and like melt the fat away. You know, like with these like quick fixes. And so that's a lot of these like if you're addicted to alcohol or you're an overeater or you know addicted to cigarettes. You know, all those. Those twelve-step programs—it's almost like you're. It's not almost like it is like you are sort of taking these small little baby steps and strengthening that psychology, that that psychological part of your brain that is you know that we think of as the willpower, and then eventually your quote-unquote willpower is stronger than the craving. And well, and Kevin,
2: a thing I like about your analogy, well, your your the the way you put it forward is it takes away some of the stigma of someone who isn't healthy, someone who is struggling. It's not – I don't want to take complete responsibility away from people, but when you are in this cycle of you're unhealthy, you feel like crap, you look like crap, and you try something, you try to clean it up, and you fail inevitably within three or four weeks because you're trying conventional methods, then you're more likely to slip even further back because not only are you having this surface – this main problem – with food and health and nutrition. But then now you're also dealing with a secondary problem is you feel like a loser. You feel like it's your fault. The only reason I'm not healthy, the only reason I don't look good, the only reason I don't feel good is because I am a weak person because that's what the industry tells them. And kind of your approach says that, hey, it's a problem that we have to solve, like how you deal with with food and exercise and nutrition. And it's not you you're not fat because you're a bad person. Does that oh, make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. There's enough. There's enough shame. There's enough guilt already. We don't need to add more on top by insisting that people just can't will themselves to success, and they're just not trying hard enough, or they're cheating behind our back. You know, cheating obviously has this connotation of some moralistic value that they're they're doing something wrong. Um, so yeah, I, I think that is very destructive to. What people are trying to accomplish, and and it, it is a big struggle because if you think about it, you know you don't have to have alcohol to survive, you don't have to have uh, drugs to survive, you have to eat food. Like you have to be tied to this thing you're you're having issues with, um, so that complicates the problem.
1: Yeah, I love the the question that Gary Taubes poses in why we get fat and what to do about it, and good calories, bad calories, and is it, you know, are people fat and lazy, you know, because they just don't have any willpower because they're bad people or, or like, are, 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 are you lazy and overeat? That's what it is. Are you, are you lazy and eat too much because you're fat? Or are you fat because you're lazy and eat too much? Kind of switching that, that around. It's like all these years we've just been told that, oh, if you're, if you're overweight, that means, you know, you just don't have, you know, you're just a loser. And like the last thing, someone who's like in a weekend psychological state is to like that feeling like, it's like when you go outside and you catch your dog like eating his own crap and you're like, Hey Rudy, what do you You know? And they're like, oh, sorry. their ears go down. Like that's kind of what I, you know, that's the last thing these people need.
2: Well, and, and I can <laughs> tell you, and I'm sure Kevin, because our pads are really, really eerily similar. I can tell you that, I have experienced frustration in the past before because I, you know, uh, I'm so intense about a ch- change and, and really working really really hard. I would estimate that I've worked maybe twice as hard as someone who uh, was thin and healthy and all this stuff, and so that that weighs on you uh, very very heavily when you're like, hey, I'm putting in all of the work. Why am I not seeing? Any long-term results, and so that's why you know I think that's such a, a, a great attitude to have is is just not necessarily shaming the person for being a weak or will you know a weak-minded person as much as it is. Hey, we just we have to fix this one problem, and then we fix the problem about you know how you're connected to food. Then we can we can go from there.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's one reason why these mainstream programs of calories in, calories out, willpower your way to the finish line, all of those they're so destructive because once somebody has failed a certain amount of times, they start to develop this toxic belief that they are the ones who are broken, that there's no hope for them. And then when you develop a toxic belief like that, it actually influences your behavior. So you start behaving like a broken person. You start behaving like somebody who who there is no hope for. And that leads to a, an even darker place. And it makes it even more unlikely that you're going to accept help. So if somebody comes along that is telling the truth and can really help you, you don't want to listen to them because you've, you're have programmed now to not believe it. You've heard enough bullshit and you've tried uh, enough times and you've failed enough times that you have just accepted that this is how you are and this is how you're always going to be and nobody can fix that.
1: Right. You know, and this sort of leads into, I know like before uh, we started recording, I was like, I want to focus on kids and, you know, like the conversation has, has not gotten there yet, which is totally Okay. But it's like you talked about being programmed, and we we find people that are in a psychologically weakened state. Well, that had to start somewhere. And I think yeah. that's a good segue into – I know there was a video going around Facebook. I'm actually uh, writing a, a commentary on it for uh, the Everyday Paleo website. But it's like it's like this thirty-two year old kid who's coming in for like a a, bio, you know, a bypass surgery or he's had a heart attack and he's thirty-two and like from his perspective, it goes back in time like from you know like the cameras like in like looking through his eyes like how he got to where he got, and so leading into the question like what are some things that we can do what what systemic changes need to happen in the in our kids' lives to keep them from becoming these adults that we're discussing.
3: Yeah, so a lot of, uh, like I was saying about symbolic substitution, uh, filling voids, well, there are voids for a lot of things. If you look at like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that, that would be a good place to start. If you have a child who's raised where they get all of their needs met, and I'm not talking about like clothing and shelter and food, like those are obvious things, uh, but the need for love, unconditional love. If, if a child feels conditionally loved, Well, it creates conditions where they are seeking uh, either approval or, you know, whatever, what other condition the parent determines is necessary to get the love. Um, You know, food can easily fill voids in that area. So anytime needs aren't being met and it's creating a void, that is a void that later on food becomes a very nice thing to use to fill. I mean, food triggers, uh, the reward center of our brain. It's very comfortable. It's something that we can have a lot of control over. So people who tend to lack control in their life turn to food because it's the one thing where we get to like determine the, the who, what, when, where, and why about like nobody can control food, but us. And that gives us a hundred percent control, which is something that we don't often have, especially as children. So children who, Extremely lack autonomy, where their parents are just telling them what to do, when to do it. They're overscheduled all the time. I can easily see why they would turn to food as comfort. Like that's the only thing they get to make decisions about, uh, and that's something that they can fight for with their parents. And you know, so we have to look at a whole bunch of different paradigms. It's not just one thing, but not getting our needs met. Our core needs as a, as a human being is a great place to start, I think.
1: Yeah, I think that is a great point. And like in, in my paleo effects talk, like my, my main point was raising human kids. And it's like, you know, it can get very complicated raising kids. It's like, okay, is this bad? Or microwave popcorn, you know, PFAs and the liners and like all this stuff. There's all these things that you can be worried about. Should I put fertilizer in my yard and all this stuff? Like trying to protect your kids. Like the bottom, like the main point, to kind of like sort of simplify it, like simply human, is like your kid could be eating, sleeping, moving, and like not stressed at all, but if they're not loved, and like you said, if they're they're conditionally loved, then that kid is worse off, in my opinion, than the kid who doesn't necessarily eat a human diet that doesn't have great movement patterns, that has an erratic sleep pattern and is kind of overstressed, But knows that he is unconditionally loved. I think I think that has to be the foundation to raise a healthy human.
2: Well, and I'll say this too, Kevin. uh, Some of us as adults are having to deal with these. uh, You know, I don't want to say like how we were raised. Like that makes it sound like I was raised by wolves and my parents are terrible. I love (laughs) my parents; they were great. But I'm dealing with food issues now, into my mid thirties. I owe it to my children. Because I can't teach them the correct way the, you know, anything, uh, you know, correct relationships with food if I don't heal myself first. And so, you know, at this point when you have kids, you're in your mid-30s, you, you, stu- you know, you become second priority to your children if, if, you, if you have kids for the most part. And so at this point, yeah, I want to be healthy. I want to look good and all this stuff. But it's almost more important for me that like, hey, I've got to fix this, any issues that I have, because I have two little kids that I have to teach the right way, and I can't teach them if I have these broken relationships with nutrition.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You, you you definitely have to start with the modeling piece because you know a lot of parents have this idea, well, I'll tell my kids what's best, and I'll teach them what's best. And if you're not actually doing what's best in front of their eyes, then it doesn't matter what you tell them. It doesn't matter what you teach them. All they're going to do is repeat what they see so what you do as an adult, what you do as a parent and a leader, that's what kids are actually going to learn. So you're you're on to something there when you say that you have to fix yourself and model the behavior for them. That is the number one way that they are going to pick up on healthy habits and healthy behaviors. The other thing I would say we need to stop doing is we need to stop with the, so we talked about conditional love. Um, This may seem extreme to a lot of people, but that's fine. Uh, The rewards and punishment paradigm that we're in, whether we're punishing kids for things or we are rewarding them for things, that is a form of conditional love. And it gets even worse if you're using food inside that paradigm. If you're using food to punish, Maybe you're withholding food, or you're you're making them eat certain things, uh, or you are rewarding with food. That is another huge trigger for issues later in life.
1: Yeah, my, my wife and I just had this conversation actually last night about like, and part and part of it was sort of uh, the you know spurred on from that that video that I talked about earlier. It's like. You know, and 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 real quick, something that Rick said about you know like you love your parents, and you know you're not like blaming them or anything. And if any baby boomers are listening, or like you know parents that feel like, well, like that was just we grew up in an epoch that that like giving a you know drinking coke after a soccer game was that's just what you did. Like there was no we didn't know any better almost. So like kind of like give the, give the parents, our parents like a pass. Like they weren't like, like intentionally trying to give us these issues later in life. And so we just, I think we know a little bit more about the long-term effect of some of these foods. And so like, but we got, we got into the habit of, okay, like my girls go to gymnastics and after gymnastics, they get a little dum-dum sucker. And is that little dum-dum sucker gonna kill them? No, it's not. But then we, you know, you go soccer games and they get Coke or like some sort of juice. And so it's like every, and then you have Halloween and then you have, it all starts to pile up and we just kind of, mm-hmm. we need to get out of the habit. Like I told my wife last night, like we we lasted and survived as a species for the majority of our time on earth without little you know, gum treats and little things and M&Ms if you go potty. You know, like, why, why is that becoming, like, like I think you're so right about, it, like, food in the, f- now, I'm not saying I've never done that, you know, like, it happens. I just think we need to maybe sort of change some of that uh, in our culture to sort of help, you know, with with the future of our kids' health.
2: Well, I definitely agree, Mark, with what you guys, too, are, are both saying about this, because, there's a there's a tendency for people to be like oh that's how I was raised and I, I turned out fine. Well, let's look at our generation right yeah, now.
0: Yeah, yeah, something's is the wrong.
2: Americans have ever been. Everybody is a, a tremendous amount of percentages are obese, have type two diabetes, have all these metabolic syndromes, and that's proof positive that maybe maybe you are healthy and look good, but genera- generationally we are not. This is the sickest Americans have ever been. And so that's the proof. <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. pudding. The, the, the delicious sugary <laughs> fake pudding. Like that's. I think that's proof enough that like how maybe we've been doing it the last twenty, thirty, forty years. We've, we're doing it wrong, and we, that's why we need to look at it.
1: Right.
3: Yeah, I. It, I, I am not a big fan of the. Uh, My parents did it, and I turned out fine. Argument that obviously. At, like you said, as a society, we're not fine, um, and it's not just with health; it's with with really everything. The the psychosis of our um of our country and just our population in general. I mean, we have a ton of psychological problems. We're, we're, as far as America is concerned, we're one of the highest medicated countries in the world. Like, that to me is not fine. And most of that medication is not for, uh, you know, the preventable diseases that we're trying to do, to get, to get rid of in the health community, but, uh, depression, anxiety, preventable psychological illness. So that that's a huge symptom that we're actually not fine.
1: Yeah, and speaking of sort of uh, that kind of thing just problems with with how things are today. And th- this I know this person it, it, I it was like a friend of a friend, so I don't even know who this person is so, and I know that you don't listen to the podcast, but there's someone out there I know uh that lost a bunch of weight and was doing good stuff and she lost, like, I don't know, maybe it was a he, I don't even know, like 30 or 40 pounds, but then didn't qualify for, like, the gastric bypass, which is, to me, is a criminal surgery anyway, but that's a whole other topic. But, like, so she didn't qualify, so she, like, purposely or he, whatever, gained, <laughs> gained all the weight back, so she would, he would qualify, he, she would qualify for, the, like, that, that kind of thing, like, that just is, like, a great example of, like, how messed up our, our systems are today.
3: Right. Yeah. And I, and I don't, it, the more mainstream we go with, I mean, I think we're, we're making, we're doing a great deal of work right now, really important work that I think people are really catching on to, right? right. So podcasts and the ancestral health community are blowing up blogs, programs. So we're making a big dent. The question is, are we going to be able to start a reversal? Like, I, I tend to look at this from an optimistic viewpoint where I believe that we are in a correction of sorts. And the population is going to catch on to the completely destructive nature of the mainstream ideas we've been listening to. And we're going to self-correct. And we're going to start to go down a path uh, of fixing and healing i i just hope that that actually turns out to be the case
1: yeah and i i really i you know it i want to share that hope with you and i feel i think i do uh but i i just i really that's such a great attitude to have towards it and i think you know you you just have to have like a a hope in humanity that there will be that kind of that self-correcting you know like you take your shoes off you're automatically going to like walk and run you know more more correctly correctly or uh, i think isn't a word but um, then just correctly is a word yeah, yeah. <laughs> more correctly well, so you know so it's it's like uh, you know i just hope that that's the case but um
3: well, it, and that's why uh, you know when i started rebootyourkids.com as a side project because i was looking at this mission of changing the landscape of human health and I, I was like okay so what i'm doing right now with rebooted body is i am bringing in all of these adults around the world who are broken and who desperately want to be fixed and i'm showing them how to fix themselves how to heal and, and how to do all this amazing work but that's not going to really change the world like that's going to help a lot of people but it's not going to change the future like how do we change the future so the other side of that coin is let's go after the children right let's Let's stop making broken adults, and that right. would actually cause a really big ripple
1: yeah. uh, that really means something. Yeah, the ultimate in like preventive healthcare is like helping pregnant women <laughs> be healthy, right? <laughs> like, right. Starting yeah. from the beginning, exactly. So, and I can't believe we're uh, we're running up on time, uh, but uh, I would want to ask you actually before we get to the final question, tell everybody you're at rebootedbody.com, and then there's is it rebootyourkids.com, and where yep. else can people find you?
3: Um, if they go on Facebook, I'm on their rebooted body and Twitter at the rebooted body. And I'm working really hard right now on establishing my YouTube channel. So if they go to youtube.com slash rebooted body, I'll, they'll find me there
1: too. Okay, cool. Awesome. Uh, and so to wrap up, what is something you enjoy about life or one thing you do to make life more enjoyable? Uh,
3: yeah. So my, f- favorite, absolute favorite thing about life is just, uh, grabbing my daughter, going out and just spending the day with her where I'm like tuning everything else out in my life and just spending time with her. She's two years old right now. Uh And it's just amazing watching a two-year-old navigate the world. And you know, the amount of information that they're absorbing and just like being with her and shutting everything else out is, uh, the, the best part about life right now for me.
1: Awesome. Yeah. I can tell you like having kids is, is an adventure and it is one that I'm definitely glad that I am, I am in. Uh, so Rick, any, uh, any, any final thoughts or anything?
2: This is a very, this is one of my, I say this all the time, <laughs> one of my favorite interviews <laughs> because it's, 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 you've, your journey is a lot similar to mine. And, and I think you, I look at you and I look at you at where I want to be a few paces down the line, so to speak. And so that's, it's really insightful to, to hear what you have to say. Uh, I encourage everyone to go and check check uh, check Kevin's stuff out on his website and on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and all that stuff and and uh, we want to have you back sometime if that's cool.
1: Yeah, would love to. All right, awesome. Kevin, we really appreciate it. This we had a little technical uh, difficulty in the middle of this, and so we actually went a lot longer with Kevin than we had told him. So, Kevin, very gracious with your time, and thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. You're listening to the Simply Human Podcast. Thank you, Kevin. We will link to all his sh- uh, stuff. Not, stu- <laughs> I was going to say show notes. <laughs> I messed up stuff in show notes. I was not going to say link Linked all, his, <laughs> <laughs> link to all his, his stuff in the show notes. And I will remember. Hold on. I'm going to make a note right Percy. now. I'm going to make a note right now, hang on, to bleep out that word in the middle part. Okay, very good. All right, so thanks, Kevin. We'll link to all this stuff in the show notes, which is rebootedbody.com, and he's got the the kids uh, deal as well. It's all great stuff. Check it out. Amanda emailed Rick uh, a a hilarious story about uh, a miscommunication involving the term crack whore. Uh, Rick forwarded the the story to me. We contacted Amanda and recorded with her just a, a little while ago. So here is the story of the Troller and the Crack Whore. Joining us today on the Humans Being Human Open Edition... We got a, an email. Actually, Rick got an email. Congratulations, yes, I Rick. I got
2: an email for the first time ever yeah. I'm the guy that's getting the email. So, it <laughs> so, uh, uh, looks like you're moving out of the big chair.
1: Yeah, so Rick is about to be the the primary host of the Simple Human Podcast. Amanda is on the show. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you. Uh, Can I say loyal listener or did you just listen to like one and then you were like, eh, this isn't, this isn't very good. (laughs) This show
0: sucks, but I have a funny story for him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, I have, I have listened to, uh, to many. And when I listened to the story about the guy getting fired for pooping his pants, which was absolutely for whatever reason that I was like, Oh my God, I have the crack whore story. I must tell it.
1: Yeah. So you emailed Rick and Rick forwarded to me and I was like, okay, we got to get Amanda and the crack whore story on the show. So, you know, and, and, and
2: just so you know, from way back in the day, Mark and I go back 20 plus years, uh, Norm MacDonald was, uh, we are very obsessed with him hosting Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live, and he was a very big proponent of the crack whore joke, so that's why this <laughs> strikes a nerve with me and Mark. It, it hits us at
0: our deepest core. Or so. so
1: or so the Germans would have us believe. Yes. That's a Norm McDonald thing. Okay.
0: Well, that, that feels like a lot of pressure, but I will do what I can.
1: Yeah. All right. All right, so this this takes place, the, the, you know, the fact that the pooping in pants and getting fired happen in an office, does this take us to an office setting?
0: It does take us to an office. Um, the most hilarious, ridiculous, frustrating work environment I have ever experienced.
1: Are you talking about offices in general or this particular office?
0: Uh, this particular Okay. <laughs> it was far and above anything else that I have experienced. Okay. At, at a little place that starts with Wells and ends with Fargo. Can I say that?
1: You, you can. No, I don't think anybody will know what that is. <laughs> you, you said it in a way that was very you know, secretive.
0: Okay. Um, so I had uh, started at this place and I had a friend of mine that I had worked with previously who taught me things like don't try to jump over the bar; pull it down so you can step over it.
1: Right,
2: that's my so, motto. I have that tattooed right. on my arm right there.
0: <laughs> uh, little little tidbits that really help you throughout your career. Right, but he was without employment and was a great fit for a position, so I recommended him to my boss at the time, and so got him an interview. And guy said, "You know, my boss is like, I think he'd be a really good fit." You know, are you sure about, you know, him as a person? And we all get there, and like, oh, yes, of course. Because I adore this guy, which is going to tell you something about my character, I'm sure, as we get through the okay. story.
1: So you, so you, I you like, that. you vouched for this guy? Is that what you're saying? Like...
0: I did, okay. yes. I, I, basically, he had a job there because I was willing to vouch for him okay. a couple of different times. So he gets in here, and to kind of set up the story a little bit, um, he is a self-described troller. He's now married, so he isn't any longer.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. But,
0: so, you know, he, in previous jobs, I've seen him do it. He did it to me when I started working with him originally. I was 24. He's like 15 years older than I am. And he describes it as, you know, he puts the, um, the hook out there and he just see what what he reels it.
1: Right. Okay.
0: That's how he describes it. Okay. So all of this went bad because of the trolling. Everything would have been fine if he wasn't trolled.
1: Okay. But anyway, <laughs> he
0: was he was hiring for several different positions all at the same time. So he was spending a lot of his day doing what nobody likes to do, going to resumes, sending people flash letters, trying to schedule interviews. It's just a horrible process. No manager likes to do that. So in his Witty sort of way, he had come up with his flush letter template, and he had put you know little funny things in there for the name of the position and
2: yeah. exp- so explain what that kind of letter is for those of us who've never worked in an actual office.
0: Oh, okay, so it says something like um, thank you for applying for the position of X uh, your skills don't match what we're looking for, but thank you for your application, and we'll keep it on file for however long. So it's basically so like a, a let it,
2: <laughs> letting someone down easy kind of form letter that they send out just like, a okay, this guy sucks. We're not going to hire him. Let's give him this letter, and so it won't call us anymore.
0: Right. Yeah. So he knows what his status is, and we don't have to deal with him. That's exactly what it is. Good job, so, Rick. <laughs> very nice, Rick. I do, what um, I can <laughs> That's why I sent the email to him, Mark. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, he he <laughs> seems much more b- bright than me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So he's going through the process of he's got this stack of resumes, people he's not even going to interview, and he's emailing out this letter. And at some point during the day, he has realized that he has sent out um, an email that says, thank you for applying for the position of crack whore. <laughs> <laughs> So, he realizes he's done this, and although he's, you know, doing an, oh, sh-t. I've got to try to get this back, he also thinks it's pretty funny, because he's got the maturity of a five-year-old. So, okay, <laughs> okay, this who guy, else would put, this guy thank you for like applying for the, the position of crack whore.
2: This guy sounds like the office version of me, by the way. <laughs> like, knowing you've done something horribly terrible that might get you in trouble, but you're like, hey, you know, it's, it's kind of worth it. i got to laugh. So.
0: <laughs> so here is where the trolling part comes in. So he's done this. He has realized he cannot recall it. You can recall emails within the company network, but once they get outside of that, you can't get them back.
1: Yeah, it's like my mom so. thinks that if it's like she sends a text to someone, she can just like delete the text from her phone, and that means it's like it's like gone.
0: Yes, that totally works.
1: Like, whoo, That was a close one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anyway, so he has been trolling this particular woman that sits on the same floor as us, but she was not part of our department. Well, evidently, their conversations hadn't been meaningful enough that he knows what she does, but oh, great. You know, thinks, <laughs> thinks this story is going to be impressive. So goes over to this woman and says, oh, my God, you're never going to guess what I just did. And so recounts the story of, thank you for applying for the position of crack whore, but your skills do not really match what <laughs> we're looking for, blah, blah, blah. So he tells the story. This chick goes white. And she's like, I have to report this. I'm part of HR. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I don't even hear this story. He comes over to tell me the story, and I'm like, oh, my God, you are such a. D- I can't. But I don't realize that he's been turned in by HR. So he finishes the story with, oh, and by the way, that chick over there that I've been talking to, she's part of HR. And I just self disclosed.
1: I basically just fired myself.
2: <laughs> oh, that is so awesome.
1: Oh,
0: man. Yeah. So he knows that he's been reported to HR. He doesn't know exactly what's going to happen, um, but he's basically sitting in his cube waiting for the shit to come down. <laughs> he's, like, he not he's doing not, Yeah,
1: not doing any work, just, like, sitting there, like, doodling, just, like, waiting for yeah, <laughs> the right, box.
2: Have yeah, all right. his right. stuff
0: packed up in a, in a box. <laughs> just, all right, guys, I'll see you later.
2: Like, drop his <laughs> key card off and out the door.
0: Yeah, I mean, at that point I was like, You're fired. I mean, I don't know how you're going to get around that, but it's his life that, of course, he wouldn't be fired. But anyway, so we had an executive vice president at the time that we called the spokesmodel. Do you remember Star Search and the spokesmodels? They didn't do anything but stand there and look pretty? Right. Yes. That that was him. (laughs) So we didn't didn't interact with him very much. And any time you did have a meeting with him or talk to him, he basically... Like had a phrase that was like the corporate fr- phrase of the week or whatever, and you'd use it. So like you'd tell them about a project and yeah, yeah, let's pilot it, let's pilot it. Like, you know oh, what wow. that means? Oh okay. Let's so synergy. Do so, like, means? Those,
2: those like co- corporate like buzzwords that mean nothing, like
1: synergy, synergistic, and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. No.
0: exactly. Uh, yes. Yeah. So annoying. So anyway, spokesmodel's name comes up on his phone because if it's within the company, you can see his gone. So he's like, well, I might as well get over with answers the phone and hello, this is John. Crack whore. Crack whore. That's what he hear.
1: <laughs> so wait, is he mad or like, like, like laughing?
0: No, he was mad. Okay, good. <laughs> so what, but what's even better is that once they did all of the tracking to figure out who this guy was and whatever, The spokesmodel, executive vice president, knows this guy because their wives play tennis together. And he's on vacation for the next week. So for a week there, he has no idea, like, am I going to get fired? Is this guy going to be pissed and try to see the company? Because he's on vacation not checking his emails. Nobody can get a hold of him. The guy that he sent the crack whore letter to. Okay. (laughs) So, yeah, so even better. Um, and then, in as only he could, of course, my boss, who's pretty cool and laughed about the whole thing, um, did have to, you know, have a discussion with him about it and whatever – and as they're sitting there he literally says in my defense I did not call him a crack whore I told him he was not good enough to be a crack whore. which is really I a, a comp- say, that's a compliment know,
1: isn't
2: there a letter like that's the most comforting letter you receive is to like congratulations <laughs> you are not qualified to be a crack whore or on the flip side of that exactly. on
1: the flip side of that there's some like low self esteem person who gets it and they're like I oh, can't even be a crack whore oh man and then they like you know, kill themselves, which would not be a good end.
0: So. <laughs> oh, that's So funny. at the end of the day, he managed to keep his job somehow. Wow. Yes. And to go on for more stories. So thank God, yeah. you know, he kept his job, so there are more stories about him. But- right.
1: Which we will have to have <laughs> you back on and share, uh, you know, in the future. I yeah. And uh, there was another story that you said uh you mentioned to us off air that we're gonna have to have you back on and let's just say i don't want to give it away but it has to do with someone with the name of a very very close to a, a sexual act i guess that's the best right. way to put it right. yeah
2: which when you say that that it reminds me of the seinfeld episode of like the mova he's dating like mova
1: yeah. like dolores <laughs> <laughs> oh brilliant you awesome. have
0: to wrap up Cracker Day, though, which we celebrate annually. Oh, we all go what, what day is it? Um, what day is but it? But later that day, he managed to break his zipper and pee on the CEO.
1: <laughs> okay, see, hold on. I, I I want to hear that story, but we're out of time. And so there, there's another Amanda story that we're gonna have to have you back on. The crack whore guy peeing on the CEO. Uh, oh, I, 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 this we,
2: makes me think that I'm really missing out on something by not working like in the corporate, like America, like working in a cubicle kind of thing. It sounds like every day is like The Office.
0: Yeah, like the, you got the guy... Uh, well, there it was. It really was. I mean, every day I was like, I'm this. <laughs> I still expect it to be a show at some point.
1: Awesome. Well, hey, Amanda, uh, hang, out, hang on the line for a second, but we're going to wrap up this segment, and uh, really appreciate you being on, and we're going to have you back on in the future. Thank you, Amanda. And like we said, we're going to have her back on. She has uh, off the air, she was telling us some of the other stories that she's got from that office job. And it, I mean, we could do like a month of just Amanda and her office stories. Um, After so. talking
2: to her, I really do think that like I've missed out on like the most hilarious work setting ever, which is just the cubicle, like, uh, you know office space yeah, type just of uh, environment. Yeah, ridiculous
1: environment, yeah. All right, so it is now time for the Simply Human Tip of the Week. It's something you can start doing right now to become a more healthy human. And and you and I were just talking. Uh, so the tip of the week is, is I guess we'll sort of uh, come boil it down at the end of, of this discussion. But it's really basically like you don't have to become like an NFL lineman like today if like that's your goal you know like you, you that th- there's a process there and you, you and you can take small changes and 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 to not like be afraid of change sort of flesh that out a little bit like what you're talking about
2: well like you know when you when you understand that you're living like I i don't want to say like you're living an unhealthy life but you understand you have changes to make then change for the better can sometimes be a bit intimidating because you think that like all right well today i'm having you know Hot dogs and you know pizza for breakfast and all this and that and I haven't worked out in six months. Well, starting tomorrow, I'm gonna you know run 50 miles and do bench press all day and eat nothing but vegetables. It can be, it can feel intimidating that you have this gigantic you know mountain to climb to get towards healthfulness. And to me, it really is about making kind of small, uh, sustainable, incremental changes. You know, Mark, if, if if you know you know me pretty well, and if you look at my life. Uh, four years ago, really, I look at like when I turned thirty. That was when I really started to make a commitment to 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 get healthier. If you look at my life now, as opposed to then, it's night and day. But man, that's a process that's been four years in the making, and it's still continuing to evolve. I'm still continuing to change, and uh, you know, you just you have to take it kind of step by step and kind of slowly because if you do it that way then you're more likely those changes are more likely to stick but also if you if you try to change and overhaul every single thing in in like a week or a day or a month or something like that you shock your system so much that you almost can't keep those changes up so instead of you know if you know you have you know areas that you want to improve on nutrition movement sleep stuff like that let's try to work on them like you know bit by bit an inch by inch and before you know it you'll look back on the journey and be like man I it's night and day, but if you make small incremental changes, then uh, that's something that, that that's easier to easier to digest, I guess. Is right? What
1: I'm saying. Yeah, and it's like you know, if you're going to train for an Ironman or something like, I have a friend who just signed up for uh, for the Houston Ironman. It's like, you know, you, it, trying to figure out, looking at it on day one, and trying to figure out, okay, what is my training going to look like? What's my nutrition going to look like? What, how am I going to fit this in my schedule? Like it's overwhelming. It's too much. Yes. And so it's just, just do what you can today. And then you, your, your mind will slowly start to kind of wrap around this bigger picture as you sort of adapt to it. And that, that's really kind of why I did the, I know we mentioned the 21 day reset earlier. Um, and that's, that's really why I kind of wanted to develop something like that is to help people, you know, not do this, this like, 30-day challenge where like you do this for 30 days and then that's all you do and you have to do that like throughout the year like six times a year well that's that's really not like my, my reset is sort of designed like if you have to do it more than once like that you're doing it wrong like it's it's a it's a very short three week to me is short in the grand scheme of things short path to kind of get you to the more sustainable path and well
2: it provides guidance too and i and i can speak for for most normal people out there if you're not a nutrition expert you're not an exercise expert you're not an expert in sleep and all this stuff it it helps to have guidance it helps to have someone that kind of knows the path ahead to help bring you along a little bit and i think that's what you know the benefit of this program is for sure
1: yeah and it's like um even if you're a seasoned athlete you know it's kind of like going back to spring training. It's like g- g- getting back to the basics. I mean, the the first day the video, you know, there's, there's little tips and things, uh, you know, throughout every day, but like the, the, first video of the, di- of the, the reset is, is how to stand correctly. And we just, you know, so that, I mean, that's how basic it gets, uh, just kind of like reposturing. And so it's like, I think I've got it set up right now. Um, since we don't have some of the, like the reference guide and some of the recipes and things aren't, aren't ready to roll out, but we've got like the t-shirts and the, and the the emails and the videos and all that, and then you know twenty one days of, of access you know to me as far as email or Facebook or text or, or whatever it's four seventy six a day, uh for yeah. for twenty one days it's a hundred dollars right now if you want to do that email me at simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail and we can uh, we can talk through and and if you want to you know i don't know talk get get connected with somebody who's who's done it to get their feedback we can do that too and as this thing grows we're eventually going to have you know like a journal that you can kind of like how the how the blog is where you've got days or or little sections every day to write down sort of here's how you ate here's what your sleep pattern was like here's how you moved and then here's you know five things you're grateful for or, or things that you that you enjoyed about the day um so anyway so if you're interested in that email me uh so the tip of the week is really just is is don't be scared of change. Uh, yeah. And, and well, just and
2: I think I think all humans like you know the, the the goal for me at least is to be a better person today than I was yesterday, and that's in all aspects. And you know, personal growth is kind of my my mental like motto or whatever. So you know, don't be afraid to change. Don't be afraid to you know every day try to be a better person in way that were the day before.
1: Awesome. All right. Um, quick shout out to the Wacker family. They've made t-shirts for their kids they they've posted videos uh, one, one of the videos is their uh their it's Tim and their son eating a grasshopper yes uh, you are uh, starting
2: to affect uh the younger generation I love We're it I implore you to stop eating <laughs> He goes
1: to the, force and little kids to eat them The kid in the video goes <laughs> they're like what does it taste like he goes crust (laughs) oh that's great so go to the Facebook page and check out that video um, and you can get the Facebook page by just going to simplyhumanlifestyle.com the links to everything are there to the podcast to the YouTube channel Simply Human Kids page Simply Human Moms page I'm still writing for everydaypaleo.com I've got got some new stuff out on that one I'm on Instagram and Twitter at simplyhuman52 I just already said my email Rick's email is simplyhumanrick at gmail.com please go to iTunes and leave us a review. We're getting a lot of downloads, but uh, our reviews have kind of fallen off. So we'd le- we need to do like a, you know, the the the. If we read your review on the on the air or something, you get a, a free T-shirt or something. So uh, ah. yeah, so go to your go to your iTunes. Give us any any stars. It doesn't matter. Any, any publicity is good publicity. And we'd just like to thank you for listening to the show. And being a loyal listener, a lot of things out there that you could choose from to, to spend your time doing. Thanks for making us part of your day. Uh, so, Rick, any uh, any farting thoughts? I haven't <laughs> said that be in one a while. Of
2: the enduring jokes, is going to last like well enough. Episode like five hundred, isn't it? Like <laughs> yeah. farting thoughts, and also the moderately funny edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I have no farting. thoughts. And I didn't know how to
1: say it. Yeah, now you look scared. I
2: love
1: all of you. Awesome. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Simply Human podcast. And
0: remember, I did not call him a crack whore. I told him he was not good enough to be a crack. Which is really a that's a compliment.
1: So until next time, enjoy yourself.